Welcome to another No Quarter Podcast. My name is Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston, and this is the podcast where we discuss classic arcade games. We do. And what game are we talking about tonight, Carrington? Tonight, if in case people didn't guess from the uh, soundbite last show, we are going to talk about Burger Time. Yeah, I, this is another popular, fairly popular game, so I, I imagine that they didn't have too much trouble guessing, but I, I think we'll probably veer off and do a little bit more obscure stuff coming up here really soon. Next time, I think we should just do a homebrew game that we make. Sure, and, ma- and make people guess what it is. <laughs> Don't forget, have a contest. And then we'll rub their faces in how awesome it is and how they can't play it. Absolutely. I scored three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they don't understand. That's really good for that game. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's not like they're going to score better. So you've been well? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been good here. Things are starting to cool off as, as summer finally turns into fall and, and late October. Um, how are things in Canada? They are not filled with snow, and that makes me happy. That's all um, I ask. <laughs> just just no snow. <laughs> yes, no snow means I can ride my motorcycle. All right. I don't care. Rain's uh, fine. Yes, sun's yes. fine. As long as it's not snowing, I'm a happy Carrington. Well, enough small talk. On with the gameplay. On with the gameplay. Actually, no, we should do on with some feedback. We got some feedback. Oh, Again, yes. Shall, shall we talk about it? Yes, both of our listeners have sent us email. <laughs> that was nice something. of them. Yeah, we got some Twitter <laughs> stuff too, but I don't have Twitter in front of me. So thank okay. you, Twitter people. I can't remember what you wrote. And we also got feedback. Uh, but Egan, Egan Ford emailed us to point us to some good Pac-Man and Donkey Kong info from mm. the Retroist podcast, uh, mm-hmm. which one I hadn't listened to before, but I've downloaded those episodes to uh, catch up on them. Yeah, I'm, and, a big, I'm a big fan of that podcast. It's It's actually very good. Oh, very good. Yeah, well, he talks about a lot more than just video games. He he, he actually has some you know, retro depth there, whereas we're very, very focused on one topic. One would say myopic. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, Egan also pointed us to another podcast called the No Quarters Podcast. I hadn't heard of that one either, um, but similar names, so we may have to someday fight them to Star Trek music. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that either. Um, well, we sort of came up with this name very quickly. This show came together remarkably fast, uh, dear listener. Mike emailed me uh, and said, hey, do you like uh, classic arcade games? I said, why, yes, I do. He said, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, why, yes, I do. <laughs> and it was like four days later we're recording the first show. <laughs> this thing right. slapped together. And so I had just uh, uh, threw together top of my head some – some uh, a list of a, a handful of title ideas, sent them to Mike. He said, I like no quarter. It was no quarter. I mean, it was, it was that, <laughs> no research, no, no discussion. Um, I think the only one I can remember from that list of the ones we didn't select was I had suggested Dr. Strange Button or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Wrong. But that would have been a little long, I guess. Yes, I actually would have been happy with that, although after having – to say it every single episode, every single week, I probably would not have been so happy with you for coming up <laughs> with that. True. So, so no quarter it is. No quarter it is. Yes. And uh, Mike, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Ian, who sent in a couple of uh, responses. I think he also told us about the King of Arcades Kickstarter, um, which uh, is going on right now. It's already reached its goal with 24 days still to go. It's a documentary. Uh, ostensibly about Ralph Baer, who was the father of video games. And he was rewarded, or sorry, awarded the National Medal of Technology for essentially inventing the home console for video games and um, basically spawning the video game industry. So well done him. So yeah, really looks like an interesting documentary with a bunch of different angles, 
right in line with the sort of thing that listeners to this podcast would dig. So I, I strongly recommend you head over to Kickstarter and do a search for King of Arcades and check it out. See if it's something that you, you feel like sponsoring. I think I'm going to chip in, even though it has already reached its goal with something like 24 days left. So um, it's all it's a very popular, uh, very popular thing. But I might leap on that bandwagon. Uh, Egan also asked what our Twitter handles were. So I guess he can check us out or mock us. Mine is simply at Carrington. Um, what about you, Mike? What are you on that newfangled um, Twitter thing? Mine is well, mine is at computist. Um, but I think Egan already follows me. I think he was asking if we have a show Twitter account. Do we? Um, well, sort of. I, okay. I, I set it up, um, and we also have a Facebook page. I'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, um, cool. I, I, yeah, yeah. I set up the uh, Twitter account um, and forgot that the. Uh, maximum character count for username is is fifteen, I think. So, so, so are we no We're no, we're no quarter podcasts. No T at the end. Uh, yeah. So I, I I'm probably going to change that that username maybe to to NQ podcast or something else. But um, okay, so don't don't follow that. Right, not yet. No, uh, nobody we, follow that. Right. We also are on on Facebook. Um, I don't know that. There will be any interesting information there that you won't hear here. But if you're interested, you can like us. It's uh, facebook.com slash noquarterpodcast. They can like us? They can like us. They like us. They really like us. That's right, yes. Awesome. (laughs) Yep. So in other feedback, uh, Roberta, Roberta McCarthy, who's written to me a few times for other podcasts I'm on, she wrote in because we were discussing last show about uh, things from the 80s. People saying, is that that a thing from the 80s? She wrote in to tell me that she too was born in the 80s, but she likes our podcast anyway. And uh, what did she say here? She said, it's fun to listen to a podcast by old guys like you because it's always exciting that one of you might just die mid-show. Oh, knife in the heart. I tell you. I These are the sorts of <laughs> listeners I'm bringing to, well, the, to the podcast. At least they're stabbing us in the front, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So hopefully that doesn't happen until a few shows in. But we'll right. See. Yes. So this week, provided we live through the show, we will be discussing Burger Time. Oh, Burger Time. Chosen by Mike McGinnis, because clearly Mike McGinnis is good at Burger Time, whereas Carrington Vanston, it turns out, is really, really not. Ugh. Yes, con- consider this my little revenge for that, that, that Donkey Kong tweet last week. You'll notice there was no tweet from me this week with a snarky comment about my high score. It was all silent on the high score front this time. Right. That's how you can tell that Carrington didn't do very well because he didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, I did so terribly. This game is so much harder than it first appeared. Okay. Well, well, fess up. What, what was your high score? Uh, let me scroll down. My high score uh, was just 6,450, oh. which put me... In fifth place, like there, it, the default, I was on my main machine. It comes up with, I guess, five default high scores, and I and I barely made it onto that. <laughs> well, at least you made it on there, right? Uh, and what about you, Mike? What was your score? My high score was fifty-two thousand and ten. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, so you got fifty-two thousand. I only got six thousand. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't make it past the second screen. I I only got that on three screens. So oh, really, well, it's a lot of it has to do with the the scoring in this game. I mean, there's a way to rack up the points. So, well, clearly, I was not aware of that. And you don't feel bad though. Uh, according to the Twin Galaxies uh, official high score. Uh, Database, which actually is offline right now, but 
the the official record for this game is 11,512,500 by Brian Wagner, scored on September 19th, 2008. I was so close. I, I choose to believe that I, I scrolled over. <laughs> you rolled the machine over, huh? <laughs> I totally rolled the machine, so I got a whole bunch of zeros in there. That's 6450. Yeah, I just hell. got my bottom handed to me with this game. I just... Ah, just I, I had mentioned last week that it's a game that I, I played a few times in the arcade, but then never played in any other format and hadn't touched it for many years. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm as out of practice as one can be. <laughs> so let me describe the gameplay to those people out there like myself who hadn't played this in a while. and Maybe have forgotten about it. So Burger Time is essentially a ladder based platform game, sort of a maze slash platform game. In fact, I'd call it a mazer more than a platform, even though it's uh, vertical. So you play Peter Pepper. He's your avatar, and he's a little tiny chef, and you're chased in a ladder maze by angry food-based enemies, which is not a phrase that I would have thought I used this year. So you're, <laughs> uh, you're trying to assemble burgers from um, ingredients like buns and beef patties and lettuce, and how you do that is you walk... Oh, they're, they're lying scattered about the maze and on horizontal platforms and you walk over them and when you completely walk over an ingredient, it then falls. So, and, and if it fall, if it's an ingredient that falls and hits another ingredient, it then bounces that one down. So you're essentially pushing everything downward to try to have everything stack at the very bottom. And um, on, the, on the two screens that I saw, there were four vertical columns. So you're essentially trying to assemble four burgers. Who knows what happens in later screens? Carrington never got to see them. <laughs> so the, uh, the big tension from the game, at least for me, was the idea that if there's an enemy standing on one of these ingredients, when you finish walking over it, the ingredient drops and it pulls the enemy down with it, and you can get big scores from that. So you're trying to lure the enemies onto the ingredients to get them really close to you and let them drop. Now you've got a, a weapon as well, which is a pepper shaker that you can use basically like pepper spray, and you can stun them. And uh, and then what happens is you play, and about 30 seconds later you're dead. That's my experience. <laughs> well, yeah, and if if you happen to cross one of the burger parts while the enemy is standing on it, like you said, um, not only does it fall, it falls all the way down to the bottom. I did notice that it would bounce down farther. It yes. bounces down several levels and you get more points. So I guess that's what you were doing. Well, yes. that's And, and the interesting thing, or I, I guess a, a player tip if you want to call it this, is that yeah, while Peter Pepper is on the ladders, you can change directions. He can go up or down at any time. The enemies, when they're on the ladder, won't change directions. They have to go up to or down to another platform, get off, and move to a different ladder. I did notice that. I did always feel safe, like sort of marching behind them. Right. Uh, they would never turn around and, and go after me. Right. So for for the, for for me, this is this game was a matter of of sort of planning and, and luring the. Um, virulent food after me. Um, because, <laughs> virulent food. Yeah. Well, and if you get several uh, enemies on on your ingredient at one time and drop it down, the, the points really start to rack up. And then every now and then, of course, in the middle of the maze, just like similar to Pac-Man, uh, a little bonus item, a cup of coffee or, or something like that will, will appear. Um, and you can, if you get that, that's like worth like, you know, 500 or 1,000 points or something like that. So Which would be a considerable bump to my score. I probably should have grabbed some of those. <laughs> now, that's not the only way to eliminate the enemies, is it, Carrington? 
Oh, how would I know? The enemies <laughs> did all the eliminating. I understand, yes. Well, in this case, you also have peppers, where if you are trapped, you can throw pepper on these ingredients, and it freezes them for several seconds, and you can run by uninjured. It doesn't kill them. In fact, nothing actually permanently kills them, because even if you squash them with the falling food, they reappear somewhere else in the maze and come after you again. Don't I know it. Yep. And you have a limited amount of that, that pepper, too. Well, you do, but... The number of peppers that you have slowly increases as you go through the game. <laughs> no, it didn't. It does. It does. For others, maybe. <laughs> I run out of pepper quick. And the second, like the first maze is basically a big rectangle. and it's. But the second maze, you start like down below in these ladders and the, the shape is no longer fair. And it starts introducing dead ends and things. This game is hard. It's a lot easier to get trapped on the second level uh, than it is on the first. And on the third level, they introduce Mr. Pickle. And he's a lot more challenging than Mr. Hot Dog or Mr. Egg. The third level is hearsay to me. I see. <laughs> so um, that's the basic gameplay. Uh, from a technical standpoint, the cabinet runs on a an M6502 CPU processor clocked at 1.5 megahertz. It has. I a like the 6502. Yeah, me too. It also has a sound CPU, which is a 6502 clocked at 500 kilohertz. Oh, cool. Two, yeah, and two dedicated sound chips, uh, the AY8910, both running at 1.5 megahertz. I like the sound in this game. It's repetitive, but it's catchy. You know, it, I thought I thought it was really good sound. Uh, video resolution is the typical 240 by 240 pixels. It's 16 colors. It's a two-player game, although you don't play simultaneously. It's sort of a, you know, I play till I die, then you play till you die. It's a four, four-way joystick with one button to, to shake the pepper out. So it's actually, again, a, a fairly simple, um, game that's easy to master, easy to figure out and hard to master. Yeah, don't say easy to master. <laughs> well, for everyone but you. You big me. But yeah, it is. Just like those the two games we've talked about so far, it is a game with really simple controls, and in a 10-second in look at a, the sample gameplay, you can immediately figure out what you're supposed to do. It was, it was quite obvious. You know, walk over these things and drop them. I just wasn't able to actually get it going. <laughs> Such a hard game. The, uh, the game was um, released by... It was Data East who made it, and then I think in North America it was Bally Midway. Okay, so they licensed it from Data East. Now, this, uh, this was in November 1982 that the game was released in Japan, and it was called Hamburger, um, but was renamed Burger Time when it was introduced in the United States. And if you're wondering why there's an egg in this game, because... I, I was kind of wondering that, actually. Yeah, Peter Pepper's making burgers. Why? What's that egg doing there? Apparently, in Japan, having a fried egg on your burger is a, is a, a common thing. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a common ingredient in burgers over there, which actually sounds pretty good. Egg burger. Yeah. So um, the, a, a sequel uh, was planned. They were going to call it Pizza Time. This was supposed to be released in 1984, but that never happened. But there were actually two sequels made, though. I learned about those. Oh, were there? There was, yeah, Super Burger Time actually came out. And that two-player, basically same sort of gameplay, but two people play at the same time. Huh. Instead of this one where they play one after a time. I didn't play it because... Like, come on. <laughs> There's only one of me. Like, I was going to play a two-joystick two version. And then there was also Peter Pepper's Ice Cream Factory, uh, which is a similar I, – I did grab a ROM for that one, and I played it really briefly. And it's a very similar gameplay as well. Um, that one I couldn't even remotely get past the first level. It was insane. It, it's same sort of idea, but now you're trying to assemble um, ice cream cones. So there's empty ice cream cones around and balls of ice cream, and you have to push them onto the cones or, or throw them. And your enemies, instead of being food bits, they're – 
they were like totally bizarre. There was like a strawberry that kind of made sense, but then there was what I think was like a kitchen scale and milk jugs. It was like to- totally a weird game. <laughs> so same sort of thing. So there was those sequels, but you're right. Yeah. And I read about the pizza time one, but it looks like that never actually came out probably because of the big, the big crash. I think a lot of things got planned that didn't get released. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. So do you know about the deco cassette system? No, I was going to ask you about that. I'm seeing here that, that it was originally made for the Deco cassette. And so in my head, I, I saw that and I went, oh, that must be a home console. But I don't think that's nope. what it is. Not based on the link that you sent me. Yeah, no, it's actually how these these things ran. So the Deco system, um, which I had known about before, but I wasn't sure what games were on it. It was a sort of, if you think, it's kind of something that is similar to the JAMA System. A lot of people know about JAMA, the Japanese Arcade. Yeah. What is it? Japanese Arcade Machinery Manufacturers Association, I think. Something like uh, people that. People will write it up for And the JAMA thing is a wiring standard so that you could have boards that would wire up the same way. And it, and it's something that nowadays facilitates the, us people who make main cabinets. But right. The, well, the, I know that when you go to like the, the arcade parts stores online, everything's like JAMA this and JAMA that. So that's what exactly. that's referring to. <laughs> Just JAMA. <laughs> so, and JAMA, let, because of that, because they came up with that standard, it means you have Inter, interchangeable parts and sure. it's really easy to convert one console or one cabinet into another but the deco system was the same sort of idea where you could have a have a cabinet that you could convert between games but how it worked was a combination of a, an actual cassette the game would come on an audio cassette and a dongle so to change the game and, and basically to load a new game into ROM, you, you would hook up the dongle and play the cassette tape, and it would very slowly over multiple minutes, hopefully if it worked, because you can imagine back in the 80s, like how often those of us who had cassette-based home systems, you know, how frequently they wouldn't work. But ideally, you could then load in a new game for ROM. But because it was so slow, like the whole idea was if you had a if you had a bar or you had a cabinet and people came in and, and you could have this feature, hey, we've got a few games, we can swap them. But nobody's going to wait around for 10 minutes while you open up the back of a thing and run a cassette multiple times over many minutes to try, try to get it to load the stupid thing. So right, it yeah. was, yeah, it was a, a really not a great system. But there was a few few big name games that were on it, like Lock and Chase, the original Lock and Chase cabinet, oh, yeah. them, and Boulder Dash was. And as far as I know, everything else that came on the Deco system was just terrible. Like, it's just a liturgy of, of <laughs> terrible games that were not popular. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, this is, this is an example of one of the big-name games that used the Deco system. Sort of like a, a microcosm of the arcade industry in general. <laughs> exactly. We had a few really good, really popular titles and then a bunch of crap out there. Yes, indeed. Oh, yes. And like you were saying, there was the sequels. And then in addition to that, it basically got ported – to every 1980s home computer and console system. I think I never played it on any of those, but as far as I can tell, it was on everything. Yeah, there's a there's a massive list here. I'm looking at the uh, the main um, history.dat file. It's got it talks about the history of this game and Apple Commodore, Texas Instruments, PC, the BBC, uh, the Acorn, the Oryx, Sinclair, MSX, the Laser, VTech Laser, VZ, uh, the, and even the Amstrad got it. Two burgers to go, please. Help me! Introducing Burger Time, the home video game where you're a chef trying to make hamburgers. There's just one problem. The food is trying to make hamburger out of you. For Intellivision, this fall, Atari 2600, Aquarius, Apple II, and IBM Personal Computer. Burger Time, only from Mattel Electronics. We are closed now!
Wow, that's that's tons. Oh, you know, speaking of some of those, like things like the BBC, mm-hmm. do you know about the Mr. Wimpy version? No. Okay, so Mr. Wimpy. Please enlighten me. I will enlighten you. <laughs> I might not be able to play this game, but I know about the trivia. Right. So Wimpy, Wimpy Burgers, and, mm-hmm. and the Wimpy, again, last last week we were talking about Popeye. We're bringing Popeye back into it. So we've got the Wimpy Burger chain based uh, on the character Wimpy from Popeye. Sure. And there was a version, basically a, a ripoff, a port of Burger Time called Mr. Wimpy that came out in, in the UK essentially only for – as far as I could tell, I think it was on the C64, but other than that, it was really for UK-based systems. So it was on the ZX Spectrum, it was on the Oric One, it was on the BBC Micro. And it was a version of Burger Time essentially made to promote the Wimpy Burger Chain. Huh. It was an actual standalone game, but it was using the, the Wimpy brand. And then in, so instead of Peter Pepper, you played Mr. Wimpy, and the enemies were like a sausage and an egg and a pickle and stuff. And But it was essentially the exact same sort of game, except it was a Mr. Wimpy version. What's interesting about it was there was a competition in 1983 that took place simultaneously in London and Manchester. So there was two groups of school kids, 10, 10 to a team, that competed for their Mr. Wimpy high scores. And so there was 10 in London and 10 in Manchester. And the, the kid with the high score, a fellow named Andrew Blakely, he was 14 and he won. His high score was 81,360. So he did quite well. And mm-hmm. for that, he won a color computer monitor for his school and a home computer for himself. So he was the, the best of, of the 20 kids. I love those old video game competitions. Those are so It was funny. awesome. I really yeah. enjoyed reading about it. I found some some news articles from the time and stuff talking about it. And it was just sort of really cool to see that he won it for his school and what he was going to do with the home computer himself. So it was pretty cool. This is sort of off topic a little bit. Um, but there was a, a television series back in the 80s called Starcade. Do you remember that game? That I TV do. Series? In fact, that's such a coincidence. I was watching Starcade episodes on YouTube like like two weeks ago. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I, I believe that Burger Time was, was one of the highlighted uh, games on that show. This is Starcade, TV's first video arcade game show starring your favorite video games brand new one being introduced to the public for the first time anywhere. And now, here's your host for Starcade, Jeff Edwards. All right, thank you very much. I was watching them play um, Scramble, and so watching... Yeah. It's amazing how boring it can be watching somebody else play a video game. <laughs> I know. I had to have a whole game, television game show based yep. on, let's watch some other people play for like a fixed amount of time on yep. this game. <laughs> <laughs> totally so, different era. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're interested, um, and and not just in Burger Time, but in in these games and in general, and uh, probably I guess in eighties, early eighties culture, pop culture, uh, you can check out Starcade. The episodes like Carrington Center on YouTube, or you know the the usual BitTorrent places. If people can pull themselves away from watching the Pac Man and Donkey Kong TV shows that we were talking about last time, and listening to you and I talk about it. <laughs> of course. So I was reading about um, Data East going bankrupt in 2003 while I was researching this thing. So I guess they went under and a company called G-Mode now owns their intellectual property, including um, including the, the Burger Time stuff. And I guess G-Mode is a Java game developer that really focuses on mobile games, which I guess explains why so many like mobile game versions of this then started to come out. Okay. Yeah. So it was. I was. I played briefly a game, uh, uh, 
a remake, I guess, or a, a reimagining, I think they call it, called Burger Time Delight. They came out, I think, in 2006, 2007, something like that. That was like a quasi-3D version. I think that's a real example of how classic 8-bit games with their blocky graphics can have a real charm to them because it's just focused on gameplay and the graphics are very simple, but just have to be enough that you can tell. This is a pickle, this is an egg, this is lettuce. That's mm-hmm. all it needs to be. And once you got into that era, you know, late 90s to the early 2000s, where where people were sort of pushing their graphic limitations with 3D models, I find that that kind of graphic doesn't weather very well because it just shows the limitations of the of the graphic hardware. They're really focused on that instead. So Burger Time Delight is not a game I would recommend. I found it distractingly terrible, uh, quasi-3D. Yeah, that's that's always disappointing. And we talked about this on uh, on Namco's Facebook page, thinking about reimagining Pac-Man. These things never turn out well. You know, no. just I mean, if you're if you're going to do a direct port, you know, then that's then that's one thing. Where if it's looking at and sounding like the original and playing like the original, that's that's you're probably going to do okay. If you're trying to you know re- redo it and and sort of Bring it into the modern era, probably not going to work so well. And, and, you know, every now and then these companies forget what came before and try and do this again. You know, I remember they redid Frogger a few years back on for Windows, and that was awful, you know. And, and um, I can't imagine that the Namco thing is going to be any good at all, this Pac-Man reimagining. And it doesn't surprise me that this Burger Time remake sucks. Yeah, it was just, just terrible. Yeah. Um, though there's Burger Time, I think it's called Burger Time World Tour that you pointed me to and I looked at some video gameplay of that and it looked kind of fun. And that's, okay. that's a 3 day 3d in the round sort of remake that came out a year or two ago. And the, the scenes are based on cities now. So there's like New York and Paris and, and others. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, put up by monkey paw games. And so there's, it's available. It's a, like a console game through the direct download stuff. So you can get it through WiiWare and through PS3 and, and um, Xbox 360 online stuff. And, and you can play it on PC or Mac through OnLive. But I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be bothered with, with Burger Time <laughs> kicking my butt so much. I was like, you know what? I've had enough Burger Time. You're just so angry. <laughs> I'm an angry, angry man. So what about – there's some interesting things that are kind of the future or the current stuff when it comes to Burger Time. And I found the most interesting of them all – was the relatively recent port called Beef Drop for the Atari 5200. Did you read about that? No, I did not read about that. It's Tell me hilarious. More. So Beef Drop is a Atari 5200 homebrew game made by Ken Siders. But it started as an April Fool's joke in the Atari Age 5200 forum. So in there, it started just an April Fool's joke, like, hey, like I found this thing. What is it? It's a it's a, a Atari 5200 version of, of Burger Time. But it was just a joke. It garnered so much interest that Ken went and actually made the game. <laughs> so now there's a really good Atari 5200 port called Beef Drop um, that started as a joke, but there was so much interest again, he actually went and made it. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, that reminds me. Uh, in Egan's email, he mentions – he pointed us to a, a another Atari Age remake uh, of the original Pac-Man for the Atari 2600. Um, it's called Pac-Man uh, 4K, uh, meaning that it's a 4K cartridge. So it's a um, they haven't done anything fancy. They've gone back, and this will run on your original 2600. You don't need anything um, special to make it run, but uh, it's about a thousand times better than the original Pac-Man, which we had um, ripped on in our first episode. 
Well, wouldn't it kind of have to be a thousand times better than that? If I cut out a Pac-Man head from cardboard and stuck it on my television and just stood there wiggling a joystick with nothing turned on, I would still enjoy that more than the 2600 version. You, you have a point there. A guy named Dennis Debro, um, who apparently is big in the Atari 2600 community, made this game, uh, and it's a fully functioning clone of Pac-Man and a 4K executable. Um, the source code is available for this. Uh, it was written um, in assembly. Uh, so if you have a 2600 and you're interested in playing a better version of Pac-Man, you should check that out. That is pretty swell. I'm, I'm very impressed by people who make actual working carts for old old systems like that. Yeah, it's, that's, that always blows me away when they come out with like new software on uh, on the old hardware like that. Especially, yeah, especially when it's cartridge based. Sort of blows my mind that somebody does that. That's to- totally awesome. Yeah, because I think that takes a lot more effort probably than, than saving a file to a floppy disk. And a lot more effort than I would put in. Oh, yeah. So sure. I find it impressive. But, but I'll be happy to um, uh, support other people's effort in that and buy their cartridges. Yes. I, I like other people putting effort into making things right. entertaining. <laughs> to make my life easier. <laughs> Definitely. Put effort into that, everyone. So one thing I, I I was interested in but didn't have time to really look at it much was this wooden arcade stuff that you sent me a link about. Yeah, that was interesting. I was actually doing some searching around on you know, the Googles for various Burger Time topics that we could talk about. Um, and I saw that Will Wheaton had posted a picture of a wooden um, a wooden cutout, I guess, if you uh, a wooden carving of a Burger Time burger. And there was a link, I think, to the site. And apparently there's a guy who just makes um, retro arcade characters uh, into these wood carvings that he then sells at, at conventions and stuff. And, and they're very, they look very professional and uh, very nice, and I'm jealous, and I want to own one. That is really cool. I'm looking at, he, he's got a shop on Etsy, so Etsy.com. His name is Jacob Ashley. So if people are interested in the search for Jacob Ashley on on Etsy, his shop is called The Wooden Arcade. You're right, he's got like a, a Black Mage one and a Galaga ship. Some are a little pricey. This He's got a really cool-looking Mario on Yoshi. It's yeah. over three feet tall, but it's three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, well, I I imagine these these require quite a bit of time and effort, so the price doesn't actually surprise me that much. Um, and he actually does have a wood a a, a web page, uh, thewoodenarcade.com, where he has pictures of his latest efforts. Now I don't, yeah, I don't know if all of these are for sale. I kind of doubt it. Um, I, probably what you see on the Etsy store is the only thing that he's selling. Um, but like, there's a picture of him uh, of his display that he had at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo 2012 uh, in late September with his table laid out there. And he's got you know the Pac-Man ghosts and Mario riding the turtle and Sonic the Hedgehog, um, Luigi. There's a bunch of stuff there, and and um, so I when I save up some coin, I am going to buy at least one of those. Yeah, or maybe contact him about a commission if there was something particular, because these are handmade, one-of-a-kind things. I imagine if it's um, a commission, it's going to be quite a bit more than $350. Well, unless you can convince him that, that he's interested <laughs> in it. We need this for our really cool podcast so we can review it. Yes. And, and I can, I can, and my, order podcast. That's right, and my review can be bought. So if you give it to me, I guarantee it'll be a good review. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I too can be bought. Yes, <laughs> that could be our new new slogan now. Every 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 episode will change the slogan. Now that that slogan instead right. of improving you through fear or whatever it was, it's going to be no quarter podcast. We can be bought. Well, if you pay me enough, I'll tell you that Atari twenty 
2600 Pac-Man was a great game. I loved it. Loved it. That's right. So what about the future? So Burger Time, we have now established, is too hard for me. I'm a a wimpy little player and I cannot handle maze games. So I guess what we should do for next next podcast is turn away from the maze game (laughs) and try something something else so I have a chance. Oh, and that reminds me. uh, I I saw a couple of tweets um, of people. Well, one was a comment on the Facebook page, actually, from, from our good friend Ken. Gagney, who asked uh, where he could make suggestions for our next topic. And somebody else wrote in and asked if we could announce the games, and that way they could play along with us and, and compare scores and humiliate, humiliate us even further. That's actually not a bad idea, rather than be a something. That's probably a nicer way to interact with our audience, who we love very much. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe, you know, we could alternate or something, you know. So one week we guess the game, and the next week we tell people, or maybe we just go to telling people, hey, we're going to play this, play along with us. I think we should just tell people. We'll be nice. Maybe we can play the sound first. Okay. Give people a moment to try to guess. They can pause the podcast if they want to think about it, and then we can simply just tell them. So why don't we? Why don't we play the sound? My 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 tummy's still rumbling from uh, from Burger Time. So <laughs> let's let's play the sound of next week's game. Okay. Okay, so now that uh, now that the listeners have had a couple of seconds to think about that, what game are we playing, Carrington? We are playing Sinistar, which is a game that I think you haven't played, have you, Mike? You are correct. Wow, high score for Carrington. <laughs> you conniving bastard, you. <laughs> yes, indeed. So this is a game that I, I played quite a bit in early high school. I went to, um, I guess I can tell the, the story next next podcast, but I went to one high school for a very short time, for like two weeks before I transferred to the high school that I stayed at. And in that two-week period, I played a whole bunch of Sinistar because there was a there's a little mini arcade thing, really just a restaurant with a few few machines in it, and that was within an easy walking distance. So come lunchtime, uh, little Carrington would would walk over and he would play <laughs> Sinistar, and I got completely hooked for a two-week period. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting. So what this means for me then is a week of snarky. Tweets from you? Is that, is that I, I would expect? assume yes. Okay. Prepare to have your butt handed. <laughs> All right. I, I I I was never. I was pretty good at this game. Like when when I was younger, but it's another game that again I haven't played in a long time. And as Roberta says, we're old enough that either of us could just drop dead any minute. <laughs> so who knows how well my old reflexes will do as we uh, as I as I get cl- crawl back into the spaceship and try to create my cinnabons. If the if communication suddenly stops from you, then I should I should start worrying that you've keeled over while playing Sinistar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, I really look forward to playing this one next week, and uh, people can can join us and play along uh, if they hunger. Yeah, uh, I look forward to playing a new classic arcade game that I've never touched before. I am Sinistar. Okay, well I think that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, Carrington, do you have anything to add? I have nothing to add. Okay. Well, remember, everybody, that uh, you can like us on Facebook, and eventually we'll have a Twitter account that you can follow. Um, In the meantime, enjoy your gaming, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. See you then.